Welcome to Compass with Helady Michelia. Finding direction for your life. Greetings of grace and peace. Blessed be the name of the Lord for his goodness and his faithfulness. Blessed be God for an opportunity once again for us to sit at his feet. Jesus was in the house of Martha and Mary. And the Bible says, And Martha was encumbered by many things. In fact, the word encumbered means she was restricted. She was hindered by many things. She was cornered by many things. Uh, Somebody under the sound of my voice this morning, there are some things that want to hinder you. From fulfilling your destiny There are some things that are encumbering you Even from listening to the things That I'm about to share this morning uh, Someone is saying "Ah, Is it not this brother Or is it not that man Or is it not this pastor or Is it not this series that he has been teaching on What is there The Bible says But Martha was encumbered by many things I'm praying for you this morning Or this hour that you are listening That you will not be encumbered that things will not corner you That you will not be hindered by many things And the Bible says And Mary came and sat down at his feet To hear him as he teaches And as she was listening to him Martha came and said to him Master, tell my sister to come and help me And Jesus looked at Martha I mean when you look at that conversation it looked like Martha had a good ground. It looked like Martha had a point. It looked like Martha actually deserved attention, deserved help. You know, how could she be cooking for Jesus and his 12 disciples, you know, all by herself? And her sister Mary is there. I mean, that was a proper request. You know, that was a proper desire. That was something that Jesus ought to have given attention to. And the Bible says she came and said, Martha, Master, tell my sister to come and help me. And that was a proper request as far as I am concerned, as far as common sense will make. After all, she was cooking for Jesus and his disciples. And you know, and we don't know how many other people followed or came to the house when they had Jesus around. It's difficult for one person to cook for at least 13 people, you know, and if you included even just the people who were in the house, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, their brother. They might have up to 15, or maybe a good uh, average would have been up to 20, because Jesus was a known face. So there are some people who will crash into that house, you know, whatever the case. And she said, tell my sister to come and help me. But Jesus made a statement, a powerful statement. He said, Martha, you are bothered. You are disturbed by many things. He said, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that thing. I am praying for you tonight that you will see that thing that is needful. That God will grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That your heart, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That you will see what is needful. A lot of people are encumbered by many things that are not needful, that are needless. I pray that God will open your eyes to see the things that are needful in life, the things that are important. He said, Mary has, he said, he said, he said, only one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen it. And it shall not be taken away from her. He said, Mary has chosen that part. 
In other words, there were there are many parts, but the part that Mary chose was the part that was needful. And Jesus said, It shall not be taken away from her. That is that the portion she had chosen, no matter what happens in life, it cannot be taken from her. Other things will come to pass. Other things will go away. Other things will fail. But the part that Mary has chosen, it cannot be taken away from her. I'm praying for you tonight that the part that God is bringing to your life this morning shall not be taken away from you. It will be permanent in your life. And it is that part is the word of God. We want to bless God for bringing that part into our life. It is the most important part. It is the most critical part. And I want to thank God for that part. We have been teaching on the series, uh, A Life of Impact, uh, a purpose-driven life. We have been teaching it for, um, this is the 12th lesson today. This is the 12th lesson. We are doing a 40 days of impact. And what we are saying is that a life of impact it's not about how much you acquire. It's not based on your acquisitions. The Bible says that the life of a man is not is not constituted by the abundance of the things that he possesses. That's not what makes up the life of a man. You know, it is not about how many houses you have. It's not about how many cars you have. It's not how much money is in your account. The life of a man does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. The life of a man is based on him doing what God called him to do. The life of a man is based on him doing what God called him to do. Are you doing what God called you to do? Are you commit completely committed and sold out to what God called you to do? If that is what you are doing, then you are living the life of impact. Today we are on lesson 12 of that study. And we are going to look at developing your work with God. Or will I say developing your friendship with God. Lesson 12, developing your work. I like to call it a work. You know, it's like two people that are going somewhere. They keep going and they keep going until they reach their destination. On that walk, on that journey, many things are going to happen. The test of their relationship is going to arise during that walk. Their, their commitment to one another is going to show. Their commitment to that destination is going to show as they take that walk together. So, as you are taking that walk to that destination, how do you develop your relationship? How do you develop your friendship with that person? You are as close to God as you choose to be. You are as close to God as you choose to be. It's very important for you to know that your closeness to God is not based on God. It is based on you. He has already said, I stand by the door and I knock. If any man hears me, when I read the Bible... And I come across this type of word, certain statements, certain emphasis that scripture makes. Any, except, every. Those are the things that used to catch my attention. Those are, because those are blank checks that heaven gives, is given to us. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears, and comes and opens the door, I will come in. So, you are as close to God as you choose to be. I will come, I will enter. 
and I will sit at table with him and eat with him and he with me. So, you are as close to God as you choose to be. You decide how long you want to spend in prayer. You decide how long you want to spend in worship. You decide how long you want to converse with God in a day. You decide how long you are going to meditate with the Lord. You decide how long you are going to spend in His Word. You decide how long you are going to be in church. Some people decide to be in church once a week. Some people decide to be in church twice a week. Some people even when there is no service, they go to church just to spend time in prayer. You choose. You are the one that determines your closeness with God. Other people are not the ones who determine it. Circumstances are not the ones. God is not the one that determines. He already is there. He has already made himself available. He has already provided himself. He said, I stand by the dock. I'm knocking. If anyone will hear me, if anyone will hear me, I will come in and sup with him and him with me. Like any friendship, you must work at developing your relationship with God. It won't happen by accident. It takes desire time and energy. If you want a deeper, more intimate connection with God, you must learn to honestly share your feelings with Him, trust Him when He asks you to do something, learn to care about what He cares about and desire His friendship more than any anything else. So, there are a few things that I'm going to share with us quickly on how we can develop our relationship, our work with God. Number one, you must choose to be honest with God. The first building block of a deeper friendship with God is complete honesty. Above your faults and your feelings. God doesn't expect you to be perfect, but he does insist on complete honesty. You know, many people think that God expects perfection from them. God does not expect perfection from them. What he wants of you is to be honest with him, is to accept your weakness and to work on it and to commit yourself to working on it. None of God's friends in the Bible were perfect. If perfection was a requirement for friendship with God, we will never be able to be his friends. Fortunately, because of God's grace, Jesus is still the friend of sinners. In the Bible, the friends of God were honest about their feelings, often complaining, second-guessing, accusing, and arguing with their creator. God, however, didn't seem to be bothered by this frankness. In fact, he encouraged it. You know, when Zacchaeus wanted to meet with Jesus, the Bible says this man went, you know, climbed, you know, climbed on top of a tree and uh, was looking at Jesus from afar. And the Bible says Jesus lifted up his head and said, Zacchaeus, I'll be in your house tonight. Now, Jesus knew before he went to Zacchaeus as Zacchaeus was a, was a custom officer. He knew he was he was somebody who had called the tax collector and he was he was a sinner. But Zacchaeus was not afraid. He was frank enough to approach Christ. And you know, while Jesus was there having dinner, Zacchaeus stood up and said, If there's anyone whom I have taken anything from him, he said, I return to that person fourfold. Which means Zacchaeus knew that somewhere along the line he had taken things that did not belong to him. You know, he was frank, he was open. He didn't hide who he was. You know, that's very important. God allowed Abraham to question and challenge him over the destruction of the city of Sodom. Abraham pestered God over what it what it would have to it will take to spare the city negotiating God down from 50 righteous people to only 10 
God also listened patiently to David's many accusations of unfairness, betrayal, and abandonment. God did not slay Jeremiah when he claimed that God had tricked him. Job was allowed to vent his bitterness during his ordeal, and in the end, God defended Job for being honest, and he rebuked Job's friends for being inauthentic. God told them, you haven't been honest either with me or about me. Not the way my friend Job has. My friend Job will now pray for you and I will accept his prayer. In one startling example of frank friendship, God honestly expressed his total disgust with Israel's disobedience. He told Moses he will keep his promise to give the Israelites the promised land, but he wasn't going one step further with them in the desert. God was fed up and he let Moses know exactly how he felt. God can handle that kind of frankness. Intense honesty from your absolute from you absolutely. Genuine friendship is built on disclosure. What may appear as audacity, God views it as authenticity. God listens to passionate words of his friends. He is bored with predictable, pious cliches. To be God's friend, you must be honest to God, sharing your true feelings, not what you think you ought to, to feel or say. It is likely that you need to confess some hidden anger and resentment at God for certain areas of your life where you felt cheated or disappointed. Until we mature enough to understand that God uses everything for good in our lives, we harbor resentment toward God over our appearance, background, unanswered prayer, past hurts, and other things we will change if we were God. People often blame God for our hurts caused by others. This creates what what somebody calls your hidden rift with God. Number two, you must choose to obey God in faith. Every time you trust God's wisdom and do whatever he says, even when you don't understand it, you deepen your friendship with God. We don't normally think of obedience as a characteristic of friendship. That's reserved for relationship with parents or the boss or a superior officer, not a friend. However, Jesus made it clear that obedience is a condition of intimacy with God. He said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I want, uh, because of the want of time, I will need to stop here. But I want to say to you that one of the greatest things you are going to do in your life is to develop your relationship with God. Develop your relationship with God. Spend time talking to God. And let's say, talk honestly with Him. Pray. Spend time in the Word. Have fellowship with other brethren because other brethren show you the way you deal with other brethren is the way you must probably deal with God. The Bible says if you cannot obey God who you can't see, how can you obey your fellow if you can't obey your fellow your fellow man that you can see, how can you obey God that you cannot see? Well, as I said, time is not on our side today and we have to stop here. I believe you've been blessed. One thing is needful, and that is the word today. And I hope that you will Continue to listen to the word of God coming through this particular platform. Please call our numbers at the end of this broadcast and request for the I am sure you have been blessed by today's episode of Compass. Let's continue the interaction on our social media platforms at Hella E. Michelia on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, keep moving in the direction of your destiny.